welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Good morning. When... Lydia and I first started dating, and I would drive her places, you know, on dates. She would do something that would tell me that she didn't trust my driving. When I would be driving and cars in front of me would break, and then I would prepare to break and I would start braking, but she didn't know that she would put her feet up on the glove compartment, getting ready to crash. And one, first of all, that's not smart. Don't do that. That's going to tear you up. If you ever crash like that. But I was, it was so disrespectful. I'm like, what? You don't trust me? I got this. But it's, it was interesting because I could tell her anything. I could say, hey, I've, I've never been in a car accident. That was my fault. I've only been hit once, and it was somebody rear-ended me. I've never crashed into anybody. I'm a safe driver. I could say that to her all I wanted. But it did not matter. She needed to experience my driving to get to trust me. And it's, you know, now it's been, you know, that was 10 years ago. She doesn't do that anymore. Thank you. You know, but it's interesting when you get into a car with somebody, don't you notice? Like me, I, I'm hardly ever a passenger. And man, I used to always get on her for doing that. But when she's the driver, I don't, I mean, I'm not flexible enough and tiny enough to put my legs up. But man, I'm stressed out because I think I'm just not, you know, trusting her. Have you guys been in that, been in a passenger, and it's kind of free, freaks you out? Not because they're doing anything bad, but it's just scary. And I say that because in the same way, God is in control of everything. We truly believe God is sovereign and in control, and He is the one in control of our lives. He's the one taking care of us, yet He takes us through these windy roads at times with quick breaks, times where... Fear, worry, and anxiety could be taking over us. He takes us through so many situations that cause us a temptation to be fearful, to be anxious, to be worried. And this is a common experience for all of humans. Every single human has experienced worry, anxiety, stress, fear, right? Every single person in all of humanity. And it's interesting because it's a God-given thing 
that he's given us this ability to, to fear. But the devil, the world, and the flesh use fear, anxiety, and worry. They're all synonyms to control us, to paralyze us, to get us stuck, to take over our minds and to captivate us. The world, the flesh, and the devil uses fear to control every aspect of our lives. And all of us have experienced worry and anxiety. Some of us might deal with it and be tempted in different ways. Some of us might have a smaller amount of it. Some might have an extreme amount. But we all, it's a common theme for all of us. As we go through life, we will be tempted with anxiety and fear. And so today what we're talking about is Philippians 4, a loved passage on anxiety. You know, it's interesting, you know, I wish God would have just gave me a perfect day so I could just come to you and be like, follow me, I'm perfect. You know, I don't, I am not anxious. But I went to bed anxious, I woke up anxious, I was like, man, Lord, all right, let me, let me teach these people. No, <laughs> so I'm right there with you. It's crazy because I could use a time like this to make it all about me. And before we jump into the passage, we need to do two things. Because in order to let this passage have its full effect in us and actually benefit us, no matter how good I do or how bad I do, we're looking at the scriptures. It's God's very word. And when we come to this scripture on anxiety, and all of us have dealt with anxiety, stress, worry, if we're going to let it have its full effect in us, we need to do two things. So the first thing, we need to pick our fear. And I've got three of them from a book from Ed Welch. He says, Scripture clusters these three together, but I, I broke them into four. And so I want you guys, as I say them, pick a fear that you tend to deal with, that the devil and your flesh clings on to to paralyze you. And the the way that you get tempted with fear. And the four is fear of death or health. So does fear of death or health make you pull away from people because you don't want to get sick? Does fear of death make you not take a plane flight or drive certain places and makes you push away from people because you're scared of your health or death? Fear of death. Two, fear of people. Does your fear of people make you push away from people because you don't feel good enough? Because you don't think you'll measure up to them? That if they just get to know you, they will think you're not good? Does that fear of people make you push away from them and be isolated? Or three, fear of financial ruin or financial crisis. Does your fear of financial ruin not help you get into community and bless people and give to people or let them use your house because you have to protect that for yourself? Does your fear of financial ruin make you work harder and work longer because you just think tomorrow, I have a lot of money today, but tomorrow it's all going to be gone. Tomorrow it could all be gone. So you work harder and you isolate yourself. You push away from community trying to make more money because you're scared of financial ruin. Or lastly, the one that I added is, you're standing before God. Some of us have this type of guilt 
that we don't measure up with God. And that's true, right? That's a reality. We don't measure up with God, but we do because of Jesus. And so, but because we neglect the gospel at times and our fear of our standing before God, we think we're not good enough. He's done with me. It makes us push away from him and people because we're scared that we're not right before God. And so as we think through this message and as we're going through this passage, please pick a fear. Are you scared of death or hell? Are you scared of people being judged, not being good enough? Are you scared of financial ruin that you're just not going to have enough tomorrow? Or are you scared of your standing before God and not truly being accepted by Him? What is it? Because if we don't grab hold of that and think through this passage, we're going to walk away just hearing me speak and not put anything into practice. And then the second thing, um, we need to do what verse 9 says. Look at verse 9. So Philippians 4, verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in Paul, practice these things. What I need from all of us, if we want this scripture to actually benefit our lives, what we talk about today, practice these things. And it's really cool because this message is, no matter how hard you practice this today, your anxiety might not go fully away and you, might, you won't be perfect, but it's cool. It shows us an insight that there is hope. We can practice these things. Are you an anxious person? There's hope for you. Let's practice these things. And so please, don't just look in the mirror and walk away, forgetting what you look like. Look in the mirror. Let's the Word of God reveal what we love more than God and what we're fe fearful of and turn to Him and trust Him. Amen? And so those two things. Pick your fear and so we can work on it. And then after this, practice these things. And so let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the passage. Heavenly Father, Lord Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you are so powerful and great, yet kind and gracious and welcoming. You always give your people a way of escape. Though the world, the flesh, and the devil might try to tempt us with these fears, you always give us a way of escape. Like the Israelites being you know, pursued by the Egyptians and then in front of them is a sea. They felt hopeless. They did not know what you were going to do and you still, or what you even could do, and you still made a way by parting the Red Sea. Lord, this morning and throughout our week, when temptations of anxiety and fear come our way, help us to remember that you part seas to save your people. You give of your Son to save your people. You who did not spare your only son, but gave him up graciously. How will you not graciously give us all things? You care for us. You know us. And you love us so much. And you want us to trust you because you're good. I just ask, Holy Spirit, please fill us. Fill me. Let your word 
be to us truly your word. Let us receive it as your word. Let us hear it in its fullness. Let us be healed like ointment to a wound. Please heal us. Forgive us. Help us to trust you. Grow us in our trust of you. You are such a good God to us. Holy Spirit, please be with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice that lets us even come to you. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Philippians has a ton of gems in it that Christians love to quote. And I don't know if you guys paid attention, but as we're going through Philippians, man, in every chapter, there's at least two verses that are just extremely famous. And so I just thought it'd be cool. Um, look at Philippians chapter 1. I swear I have a point in doing this. Um, Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Super popular verse. Look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And then jump down to 17. The former proclaimed Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Really popular verse. Look at verse 21 of Philippians 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Look at Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look at verse 8. And being found in, the human, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or questioning. Chapter 3, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then look at Philippians 4.13. I could do all things through him who strengthens me. And then there's our verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's pretty cool about this is this is a really small letter, I mean, comparatively, right, to certain letters, yet there's so many verses in here that we love, that we quote, and that we kind of take out, right? And the reason why I wanted to show that is because this is a powerful book that so many Christians turn to for encouragement and strength. But 
I don't think we actually turn to it and think about the broader context. We don't look at these verses and go, why was Paul wanting to say this to these believers? Why did Paul write this specific thing to these believers? We take them out of their context and, yes, apply it to us, but it's really helpful when we apply it to them and we see why Paul was caring for them this way and giving them these instructions. Make sense? And so one thing that's interesting, everything has a flow. And so these Christians were struggling. Their beloved Paul, their beloved apostle, was in prison, chained up to a guard, probably going to die, at least in their mind. He didn't die at this time. Probably going to die. There is teachers preaching the gospel to basically um, show Paul up, doing it rudely and kindly to basically profane his, his ministry. There were um, teachers within the church teaching false doctrine to them. And then there was this tension between the church that was affecting the whole church, where they were being selfish, Euodia and Syntyche having a problem with each other. There's all these conflicts. And so what Paul is doing, he's writing these instructions to these people to help them in their present situation. And the big theme in all of this is what we're to look like. And so like the last message that I did was on complaining and grumbling. Well, we're not to complain and grumble so that we may be lights in this world. And in this passage, we're not to be anxious because we're to be rejoicing. And it gives us reasons. But it's interesting. Why does he put this passage right here? Is there a reason for it? What's right above it? Right above it is, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. So what he's trying to do is he's seeing this conflict and he wants them to be like-minded. In Philippians 1, he says, like, have the same mind, have unity, have harmony. And so he sees this conflict, and he's like, I need Yodi and Syntyche to agree in the Lord, and I need you, true companion, you believer, to help them. And so he's wanting them to be unified, and then he gives this command, rejoice, don't be anxious. Isn't that interesting? It's because anxiety is contrary to unity. Anxiety is an enemy of community. Anxiety makes us care about our concerns and not others. Anxiety makes us push away from people, not draw near them. Make sense? We've all experienced it. When you're anxious, what do you do? It captivates your whole mind, all of your imagination, and it takes over your body. And so we become inward so he's calling believers to not be anxious for reasons, but also because it's an enemy. It's, it's opposing to actually Christian community, where Christian community should not be about our own concerns, but others' concerns. Consider other people's interests more important than your own. Not being pulled away or pushing away from community, but leaning into it. And so I just thought, in light of this, Think about that. Why God wants us to not be anxious? 
One, so that we can trust us and for our freedom, right? It's for our joy, but also for the sake of the body. Because when we work, function correctly, we don't have any anxieties. We're caring for other people and we're being mended and built up in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. If we have fear, it makes us push away. Make sense? And so I just want to put that in context. He's telling us not to be anxious for the sake of community. So think about it like that. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Think about your anxiety as an enemy to our community. Think of our anxiety as a poison that can destroy this community. We need to get it out so that we can care for one another. So that was a long intro. Sorry. So the three points that I have as we're going to work through this passage, three points, if you take notes, first point, rejoice and be gracious. That's verses four through five. Point one, rejoice and be gracious. Point two, never be anxious, but always pray. Verses six through seven, never be anxious, but always pray. Point three, think and practice. Verses eight through nine, think and practice. So let's jump into point one, rejoice and be gracious. Look at verses 4 through 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So three times he commands them to rejoice. And Philippians 2, he commands it once. Philippians 3, he commands it once. And Philippians 4, he commands it here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he makes this emphasis to rejoice in the Lord always. And he makes it clear, what are we rejoicing in? In the Lord. Because we as Christians live on this earth in a reality that's different than any other person that is not a Christian. Because if you're, if you're in this world without trusting in God, if you're in this world without being in Jesus then you have no hope and you're without God in the world. So when you have these present circumstances that scare you for death, you probably should be scared. When you have these present circumstances that looks like you're going to have financial ruin, you should be scared because there's not a God that's in control that's on your side. But us as Christians, why should we and can we rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say rejoice because... We live in a different circumstance than everyone else. We live in this type of bubble in a good way. You know, you usually hear that in a bad way, like, oh, you just live in a bubble. No, we live in a bubble in a good way, in Christ. He's our cleft that we can hide in. When things are going crazy and awry, we can trust because we're in Him. And so we can always rejoice in every circumstance because no matter the circumstance, he's actually so powerful that he can make it out for good. And so whatever thing that's controlling your mind, captivating your mind, you can actually still rejoice because your present circumstance should be overshadowed by the present circumstance that you are in Christ. You are protected by him. You are being guided by him. You are being provided for by him. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say re rejoice. And he's seeing these people who are having these real circumstances, real problems, 
and us, we have real problems, real temptations, and we're not trying to discount that. There's two ways to kind of look at this I see in culture. You see one side that goes, stop being a baby, stop being so scared, get over it. Life's good, you got it good. And they just want them to go from A to Z. They just go, yeah, you're scared, whatever, who cares? Get over here, rejoice. Stop being a baby, your life is good. Then you got the other side that goes, yeah, I see you're here. That's true, that's real pain, that's real hurt. It's okay to stay there. And they don't care about getting them here. They are okay with them staying here. What's really cool about scripture is like this command, do not be anxious, sounds like it's doing the A to Z thing, but as you know the heart of God, he goes A, B, C, and he takes you on this journey, and he's patient, and he's kind with you. It's really cool, and we've all experienced it. And so as I even teach today, I don't want to sound like the A to Z guy. And I don't also want to sound like the guy that's saying, no, stay, it's okay. I want us to be on journey to get us to fully trust God. You know, like Lydia, putting her feet down. You know, I want to get to that spot where we're driving and she's not putting her feet up. All right, so that's the goal. And so please, if I say anything incorrectly, go to Scripture and see what Scripture says. God cares about how we get to Z, and he's patient and kind with us. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because we're the only people on this earth that can rejoice no matter how bad our circumstances around us look because we have an eternal circumstance that should overshadow all of that. Amen? All right. And then second part of that, rejoice and be gracious. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This one, this word, I put graciousness or be gracious because it makes more sense. Some of you guys probably say gentleness. It's a really hard word to translate because it means so much. But it's a word that is how you interact with people. So it actually could mean like a contentment in other people's situations. And so not letting other people's situations or faults actually affect you. And so it's like a leniency, in a sense, if you could say, when people are actually at fault or wrong, you're being gracious and kind and patient toward them. You're not acting out because of their circumstance. Make sense? And he says to everyone, and again, it's that, it's that mindset like in Philippians 2, why not grumble and complain so that we may be lights to this world? So why be gracious, patient, reasonable, gentle to the world and to others so that we may be lights to all people, that they may see that in the Lord actually means something, in the Lord actually makes a difference, that we're not just anxious like the world, but our hope is somewhere else. The peace that Jesus gives us is not of this world. Make sense? And so let your gentleness or your graciousness be known to everyone. And then point two, never be anxious, but always pray. And he uses, he uses four words or descriptions to kind of describe praying. Look at it with me. So six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So point number two, never be anxious, but always pray. Doesn't that sound like a weird command? Because doesn't that seem almost impossible? Never be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Nothing. Never. But always, in every circumstance. Do not be anxious, never be anxious, but always pray. In every circumstance, pray. And the reason why, again, why not be anxious, why not be worried? Because, right, us as Christians are saying we're in the hands of our Lord, who's good and strong and powerful and mighty. What do we have to fear? It's like, imagine a, I have a coworker who, his dad was pretty wealthy and retired with a pension is pretty doing just fine just wealthy but his dad always told him that they were poor so he grew up poor yet his dad was never going to let them starve or anything his dad just didn't tell him so it's interesting he grew up in this family that they had a good amount of money yet he grew up with the mindset that he was poor and they were not poor that makes sense right because he was lied to he was withheld truth but now imagine if that dad told him, hey, we have money. God has blessed us with a lot of money. I will never let you go hungry. And imagine that kid being scared of not having enough to eat. Wouldn't that not make sense? And some of our assumptions are like that. Some of our anxieties are like that. They don't make sense in light of God. Some of our anxieties make us so fearful. But don't we have a God that can provide for us and does provide for us? Don't we have a God who's more powerful than your light bill? Don't you have a God that's more powerful than your marriage or your retirement? Don't we have a God who's able? We do. And so, in the same way, do not be anxious. Why? Because just like that kid who knows his father will never let him go hungry, so should not fear, in the same way, we have that dad that will always provide for us, always care for us, always protect us and do what's right and good for us. Amen? So never be anxious, but always pray. And so the four things that he gives us, he says prayer, supplication or petition, requests, and thanksgiving. And I just want to kind of give definitions to each of these because they're slightly different. And we kind of only always ever talk about just prayer. But in the Bible, when prayer, it often signifies an intercessory prayer for others. So prayer is when we're praying for someone else to the Lord. And then supplication or petition is an urgent request that needs to be made. And it's directed towards God. And then request is a more specific basically petition. A request refers to naming specific items. And then thanksgiving, thanksgiving and gratitude, all of our petitions and all of our requests should always be with a backdrop of thankfulness. Because again, we do have good things going for us. We do have a God who cares for us. And so when we bring him our requests, our petitions, it should always have this backdrop of thankfulness. Make sense? And I think it's really cool 
Like, do not be anxious. Again, he's taking us on this journey. He's not saying A to Z, don't be anxious, just get over it. He's saying, don't be anxious, and let me show you how to get there. Don't be anxious, so pray. And what does he say? He says, pray for other people, pray for yourself, be specific, and give thanks to God for what you know you can praise him for. There's so many times where we make our requests known, but we don't have our requests be Godward. We tell everybody else our requests, or we let our minds think about these requests and these fears, but we don't take them Godward. So do not be anxious, but pray. Always pray. And it's really cool that he gives this, this word request. I really like that. I think it's extremely helpful when we go to God with these anxieties, be very specific with him. Like even in um, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, cast your anxieties on the Lord. One thing that I notice a lot of people do is they tell God to take their anxieties. I tell, I tell people, I'm like, no, give them. It says, cast their, your anxieties. It doesn't say have him take them. It says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so we take these anxieties, like sometimes when I am not in a good mindset after I preach, and I'm letting it be about me, and I'm letting it push me, my anxieties push me away from community, I'm thinking about the judgment that people may have about what I said or how they receive me, and I'm like, God, I just don't feel good enough. I give you that anxiety that I'm not good enough. I give you that anxiety that I didn't represent you well. I give you that anxiety that I did this wrong. Or, and I, you have to be specific and take those anxieties and cast them on him. Like if you're fearful about work, losing your job, Lord, I'm just so scared that I did this and I'm going to be corrected in a way that's going to put my family in danger. I give you my family. Be specific with him. Lord, I want to keep my job. Lord, I want to be financially stable but I'm so scared. Be specific with him. And it's so cool. Why would that be the thing that helps us not to be anxious? It's because, again, his power and his might. If we tell him our requests, we can rest because he's heard us. We know we've told him and we know he's good and he'll do exactly what his will is for us. And that's always to protect us, to guide us, and to lead us into being more and more like Jesus. And we know the beginning and the end. We know that Jesus wins. And so be specific. Pray. Do not be anxious. Always pray. Let your request be made known to God. And then he gives us a promise. When you pray like this, look at verse 7. When you pray like this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I find that so comforting because when you're anxious, man, isn't your mind just under attack and your heart is under attack? But when you cast your anxieties on him and you're giving those things to him and you're talking to him, it says, when you pray this way, pray for others, you give your requests to him, you give thanks to him and praise to him, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. It will protect you. It will guard you. And it's interesting, the word guard is the same word that he would be saying for him being in prison, being guarded. 
And it's crazy. You know, he was, he's chained to a, a soldier every day. He's chained to an officer every day. And he's saying, hey, like this, your heart and your mind will be guarded like this. Isn't that cool? And so like how much I'm guarded and I can't escape, that's how the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds when you pray this way. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that when it, it's given to you, the world will go, that makes no sense. You just lost your job or you just got in trouble or don't you see the political world and what we're living in? Don't you see how horrible this stuff is? Why are you so calm? Well, it's because a peace that surpasses all understanding is guarding our hearts and our minds, and we know Jesus is victorious. Yeah, it's okay to have disagreements and all that stuff and have wants and desires, but to let some of those things control our hearts and our minds and make us be paralyzed and push away from people? No, that's not the peace that surpasses all understanding. And this peace, this shalom that the Jews would talk about, isn't just an internal peace. It's actually always a peace that would actually work its way out in relationships. Isn't that cool? And so like in um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it talks about this peace, and then it says, Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness, oh, sorry, end of 2, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Every time the Old Testament and these Jews thought of peace, it worked its way out. It wasn't just an internal peace that we tend to think about, but it works its way out in community. It gives you favor between God and man. And so when we have peace, it's not just for us to be like, ah, you know, the way we think of a corona ad on the beach. You know, no, that's not the peace we're talking about. The peace we're talking about is a peace that gets us fully okay with God. All of our needs are met in Him so we can go and serve people and bless people because we have the peace that guards our hearts and our minds. And so it's really cool. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So those who pray this way will experience the peace of God. Sometimes also, like I could be talking in a way that it makes it sound like all of us make ourselves anxious, the world, the flesh, and the devil are coming after us. There's sometimes where anxiety just seems so outside of us. And there's sometimes temptation seems so outside of us. It's like, where did that come from? Or sometimes I'm driving and I just get hit with anxiety. Sometimes I'm at home and I just get hit with anxiety. And then my mind turns and takes these old times in my life and throws these thoughts towards me and I'm just anxious. I don't think I pursued those things, but what I would encourage you is, no matter where the anxiety is coming from, what are you called to do next? Pray. Do not be anxious. Pray. You know, I have a, a family member who dealt with a lot of anxiety, go to gatherings and would, you know, see all these people looking at her and thinking they're judging her and laughing, and she's a part of it, and she would just crumble and have to run out because of this anxiety attack that seems so outside of herself. What she's called to do is pray. 
Maybe all she could say in those moments is, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. And that's all she could at times. It was really hard. So I'd just encourage you guys, no matter the spectrum that you guys have, pray. Do not be anxious. Pray. And then the last thing, um, real quickly, think and practice. Point number three, think and practice. Look at verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's cool that he gives us these two things, think and practice, because again, doesn't anxiety and fear captivate your imagination and take over your mind? Doesn't anxiety and fear actually take over your whole body? It makes you shake. It makes you just want to lay down and curl up and not do anything. There's times where I'm hit with anxiety at work and I just don't want to be there. I have to like go into the bathroom just to be alone, you know, where I just want to run because it's taking over my whole body. And Paul says, think and practice. When you're hit with anxiety, Think about what's good, whatever's true, pure, lovely. And you know who is that? God. And all of these things can be found when we think of God. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should tell falsehood. Whatever's honorable, isn't God worthy of all honor? Isn't God the most honorable being? Whatever is just, isn't God, he's going to right every wrong? Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And again, and the God of peace will be with you. The last thing I want to end with is most passages on fear and anxiety always give one promise. It's really cool. Do not, be, do not be scared. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be anxious. I am with you. The Lord is near, verse 5. Do not be anxious. Practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. It's all throughout the scriptures. For those who fear, he's not saying, hey, don't be scared. Get over it. He's going, hey, don't be anxious. I'm with you. If you don't hear anything or take anything from this message, Please take this and only this. If you're going to leave everything else, take this, please. Do not be anxious. I am with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. His rod and his staff, they comfort me because he's with them. He's with his people. Jesus is the great Emmanuel, God with us. He said before he ascended, I will be with you to the end of the age. Do not be anxious, I'm with you. Do not be anxious, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious, I will give you peace. That's why when we give our dependence to him, we get this peace because he's with us, because he's near. He's not a God far off. His arm is not short. He can reach us, he's there. He's always present, ready to bless. And I know I mentioned this in my prayer, but Ed Welch talks about Um, Exodus 14 being one of the most helpful passages for him when it comes to fear. 
she sees the Egyptians coming, the Israelites escaping Egypt, Egyptians coming, and then in front of them is a sea. And so Ed Welch says when he's faced with this fear of something behind him and something in front of him, he asks the question, Lord, how will you part the sea this time? It was really cool to hear that. Lord, you're with me. Do not be anxious. How will you part the sea this time? Amen? Do not be anxious. Always rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Take heart. Do not give up. Keep praying. Keep giving your requests to him. He's with you. He is near. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness towards us. We thank you for your care for us. If any of us are fearful, if any of us are worried, I ask that you would please care for our weary souls that need to be comforted by you. Please comfort us. You went all the way to the cross to comfort us. You went all the way to the cross to give us everything we needed. You went all the way to the cross to save us and to give us yourself. Why are we so fearful at times that you don't care for us or you're not there? Or why do we neglect you at times? I ask, give us strength to see. Give us the ability to see your goodness, your kindness, your love for us. You are a God so near to us. You are a God so present, always willing to help, always reaching your hand, always kneeling down to pick us up again. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for getting up out of the garden to go to the cross, to bear my sin, my iniquity, my transgressions, so that I can enter into the Holy of Holies and embrace my Father, come to Him with every request that I have, every fear that I have, knowing that He hears me. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for always bringing us back, always helping us, always giving us that peace when we come to you. Please, Holy Spirit, fill us even again, fall fresh on us, help us to receive the Lord's Supper correctly. Help us to worship you correctly. We love you for your kindness. We praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.